Praise God. You may be seated. The Lord bless you. Praise God. want to also mention, ladies, I'm sure you all know more than I do, and that's, that's a good thing because it's not a men's conference. It's a ladies' conference. But uh, if you're going, that starts tomorrow night. And uh, if you've got any other further questions, please see Sister Alicia, uh, and she can help you uh, with that. Amen. But I know the ladies are going to be blessed. And then, of course, Saturday night, uh, it's open to everyone. This uh, apostolic impartation is open to any and everyone. If you want God to impart some things in your life and, and be a part of what he's going to do in the church as a whole, then I want you to be here, and God's going to minister and bless uh, on Saturday night as well. We're looking forward to what God's going to do. Amen? Amen? Praise God, praise God. Well, at this time, we'll go ahead and dismiss our elements and our uh, student ministries and our children's ministries, nursery, all of that. Amen. I, I know I do this often, but let's just give a great big hand clap to all the staff that teaches and helps with all of these. They do a great job week after week after week. Thank you so much. Amen and amen. I will put in a plug that if you're interested in Elements, we're restarting it in July. And uh, those that are in it are reporting some great, uh, enjoyable times. The teachers are enjoying it. So if you're interested, please see Brother Donnie or Sister Kara. If you can't get a hold of them, come see me. Uh, we'll make sure to get you signed up for July. It's going to be a great um, class again that they're going to be doing there. So praise the Lord. Well, I'm going to direct your attention to the book of 3 John. Amen. For a minute, I thought I was dreaming this morning. I was on my way to the property here, and this white stuff was swirling around and falling on, and, and some of it was sticking like on the, you know, places in the, in the beds out here, and I'm like, serious? Really? Well, come on now. I mean, it's one thing to get those emergency alerts. You know, I've subscribed to them on, my, on one of my email accounts, and one thing to get that in the wintertime, that's okay, but you know, now I'm getting like three a night. It's like, really? Serious? Hello? Come on, spring. <laughs> you know, I thought you had sprung, you know. <laughs> anyway. Well, praise the Lord. John, third John, rather, and just verses three and four to open tonight. For I rejoiced greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. And tonight, I just want to simply title this, Is It In You? Is it in you? Amen. Father, let the living word preach the written word and make my tongue the pen of a ready writer and write it on our hearts. I ask that you would open our understanding that we might comprehend the scriptures and do all of this in the matchless name of Jesus. And if you agree and believe to it, would you say amen? amen. Praise God. About 20 years ago, you might remember that Gatorade came out with their famous ad putting billions of dollars in a star-studded campaign asking the question, is it in you? And all these stars like Michael Jordan were drinking Gatorade and replenishing all the electrolytes that they had lost in giving their all in their uh, uh, respective sport, right? Anybody remember those? Is it in you, right? Gatorade even had... I know I'm not that old. Come on, some of y'all looking at me like, ooh, 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 you know, my goodness. You know, you'd think some of these sports fanatics would know. But anyway, 
Is it in you? Well, about 2,000 years ago, Jesus poured out the Holy Spirit in an upper room. I'm far more interested in that being in me than I am Gatorade. Amen. <laughs> so tonight, I'm simply asking, is it in you not referring to the electrolytes that you might need to replenish however i'm asking is the holy spirit in you is the truth in you is the love of god in you tonight whereas second john addressed the unknown elect lady and her sister this third epistle is directed at gaius mostly and then two other persons that he references. I just want to start right out here and talk to you about Gaius for a minute because Gaius was full of truth and love. Listen to what the Bible says about him. Verse 1, the elder unto the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. For I rejoice greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you, even as you walk in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Beloved, you do faithfully whatsoever you do to the brethren and to strangers, which have borne witness of your charity before the church, whom, if you bring forward on their journey after a godly sort, you shall do well." Because that for his name's sake they went forth, taking nothing of the Gentiles. And then verse 8, wherefore, we therefore, excuse me, ought to receive such that we might be fellow helpers to the truth. So Gaius was full of the truth, full of love. He was full of faith, and he proved that faith by his works. He was a model that we can certainly emulate our lives after. His life was similar to some others in the Bible that were full of it. The first seven deacons of the Bible, Acts chapter 6, the Bible says they were full of the Holy Ghost and of wisdom, verse 3. Stephen is further distinguished from the group and is said that he was full of faith and power and did great wonders and miracles among the people. Tabitha, in Acts chapter 9, was a disciple at Joppa. And the Bible says she was full of good works. Hallelujah. Barnabas, in Acts chapter 11, the Bible says, was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith. Paul's brethren, whom he addressed in uh, Rome, in, and it's in Romans 15, verse 14, he said they were full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able to admonish one another. One of the seven attributes of God's wisdom that James gives to us in the third chapter is that it's full of mercy and good fruits. Well, if I'm going to be full of something, I want to be in that company. I want to be in that number of people that could say they were full of God. So Gaius joins this great company of people. We only know a little bit about him. Eight verses, and, and not necessarily all of them about him, but, but even if you include all of them, it's, 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 that's it. That's all we know of him, yet we know enough to know that he's somebody we want to be like. 
He walked in the truth. He loved the truth. He lived the truth. He loved others. He reached out to others. So can I just pause for a minute and ask, are you walking in truth? Are you loving the truth? Do you love the truth enough to speak it in love? Amen. Is it in you? Now that's the, the, the right side, the good side, the side we all want to be on, right? But there's another side of people that are full of something, and it ain't what we want to be a part of. Hmm. Elemas, the sorcerer in Acts chapter 13, was full of subtlety and mischief. Furthermore, he was called a child of the devil and an enemy of all righteousness. I don't want to be like that. Mm -mm. The pagan citizens of Ephesus who for two hours drowned out Paul yelling, great is the goddess Diana. The Bible says that they were full of wrath. Paul writes about those who love evil in Romans 1. They reject God and His truth. And he says they are filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, and whispers. I don't want to be a part of that group. Paul further writes about some pagans in Romans 3, and he says, whose mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. In James 3, James exhorts that we must be careful because the tongue can no man tame because it is full of deadly poison. It's an unruly evil. So it's pretty obvious which group you want to be a part of or should strive to be a part of. And you know, there's one way to really kind of tell what you're full of. I mean, I want you to think about it for just a minute. Let's think about the word hateful. And I know it's 1L, but for a moment, can you give me artistic license? And I'm going to hate dash F-U-L-L. Right? You're full of hate. However, joyful. I mean, it's pretty simple, right? Spiteful. Right? Beautiful. I mean, you pick it's your choice. That's what's, that's what's beautiful and yet paradoxical about God's mercy. He will not force you to choose what's right. He'll let you make the decision. I want to make the decision to be like Gaius. I don't know all that much about him, but I can't wait to meet him in glory. Not only was he full of truth and love, he proved his faith by his works. Listen to how the New Living Translation words, verses 5 through 8 of 3 John. Dear friend, you are being faithful to God when you care for the traveling teachers who pass through, even though they are strangers to you. They have told the church here of your loving friendship. Please continue providing for such teachers in a manner that pleases God, for they are traveling for the Lord and they accept nothing from people who are not believers. In other words, the only way they were funded was by the churches supporting them like a PIM, a partner in mission. So we ourselves should support them so that we can be their partners as they teach the truth. 
You might say Gaius was a part of the first PIM program, supporting missions. Praise God. By the way, Gaius' name means Lord. But he did not lord it over God's heritage. Whatever position he may have had, he didn't let that role or status go to his head and force people to you know, bow before him and kiss his holy ring. Hallelujah. Being full of the truth and love, Gaius would obviously earnestly have contended for it. Somebody that's going to put their money and support it, you can believe they're also going to defend it. Yet with equal resolve, he would support others. He would pray for them. He would take them in to his home. Some of them were strangers to him, but they would come with a recommendation from another apostle or another church, and he trusted them enough to say, if that man trusts him, I trust him. You know, that's how Ryan Neer first came here. A good friend of mine, Jeff Marchand, who pastors in uh, the Twin Cities in Minnesota, called me. He says, hey, have you ever heard of Ryan Neer? Nope. He says, well, man, I'm telling you, you got to have that guy come and preach. I'm like, okay, what's his number? I trusted my friendship with Jeff. I didn't know Ryan from Adam. I don't even know Adam. But because I trusted Jeff. Same thing here. Gaius didn't know these guys, but he trusted the men who spoke of them and said, okay, I'll bring them in. I'll let them come through. They can stay in my spare bedroom. I'll, I'll, I'll support them for missions. So I want to ask again, is it in you? Is the truth and a love for the truth, is it in you? Are you full of faith and good works? By the way, what you're full of will come out. For from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. By the way, here's what all of us need to do tonight. We need to put a no vacancy sign on the door of our heart to anything that is anti-Christ so that we can stay full of God. We went out Sunday with Howard and Dana and a bunch of others and, and uh, uh, asked, uh, Skyler and Cynthia were there and some of the young men and Howard's mom and I ate till I was full and it was good. Let me tell you what, but when I get up, I'm like, oh boy, I couldn't eat another bite. And if somebody would have even said the word food, I'd be like, Ugh. right? You, you've been there before you've eaten like that. Well, I want to be so full of God, I don't have room for anything else. I heard one, one preacher say, or read how one preacher said, I want to be so full of scripture that if you cut me, I bleed the word. Yeah. Now. I'm glad we started off on a good note because it's about to turn negative real fast because the next guy was full of himself. Diotrephes. Verse 9. I write unto the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to have the preeminence among them, receives us not. Wherefore, if I come, I will remember his deeds, which he does, prating against us with malicious words and not content therewith. Neither does he himself receive the brethren. So all those people that Gaius take in, Diotrephes didn't, and forbids them that would and cast them out of the church. If they do try to come, he kicks them out. And he kicks out those they don't agree with. And I'll get to that in a minute. Verse 11, beloved, 
Follow not that which is evil, but that which is good. He that does good is of God, but he that does evil has not seen God. Now, of all the good things he said about Gaius, and we want to strive for that, right? Verses 1 through 8, you don't want to be this guy. Whether or not you're a preacher like he was, you do not want to emulate and put your life on the course to be like Diotrephes. Because whereas Gaius was full of Jesus, Diotrephes was full of himself. (laughs) He's a pastor. He's a preacher. And no doubt was born again. But he became a dictator who isolated himself from other born-again believers and teachers and pastors. He was unteachable and unsubmitted. He spoke evil against John, John the Beloved. I think the only thing that I can find that John did wrong in the Bible was he wanted to call down, you know, thunder and lightning and destroy some people. And God called him one of the sons of thunder. That's about the worst he did. And he got rebuked for it and he changed his ways. And yet Diotrephes speaks evil of him and of others. He refused to show love to those strangers, those teachers that were coming in. Let me say it this way. Beware of those who are unteachable because they will become unreachable. Let me tell you something. My bishop is coming Saturday night. You don't know how many times I'm thankful for that bony finger as it got pointed in my face sometimes and said, young man, you need to repent. And he did it in love. He did it in mercy. I'm thankful for a pastor. I'm thankful for a man of God strong enough, willing enough to correct me when I'm wrong. And I believe you are too. I don't want to become unteachable and therefore unreachable. Diotrephes refused to financially support the kingdom of God. And he urged others to join him in his evil. I mean, you know, misery does love company. He didn't want to just do it alone. He didn't want to be bitter and and persnickety alone. He wanted people to join with him. And he used his pulpit, if you will, as a bully pulpit to to whip people into, uh, you know, submitting to what he said, bless God, and we're not going to do this and that and thus and so. And and here's what's interesting to me. I found out something about Diotrephes. I, I love looking at what names mean and all this. You want to know what Diotrephes' name means? Nourished by Zeus. I'm like... Whoa, (laughs) no wonder he had an ambitious, selfish, and prideful attitude. He abused his power in the gospel. He even disciplined those in, quote-unquote, his church who disagreed with him and his teaching. Now, church discipline is biblical and right, but is to be done in long-suffering and with mercy. <laughs> and by the way, church discipline is never to be done to protect a pastor who's abusing his power in the gospel. Now, I know I'm only just one other pastor here tonight. Pastor Lucas is watching. 
But any pastors listening, let me tell you something. Don't you dare, don't you dare become like Diotrephes. Lord have mercy. He would have been wise to recall what the Apostle Peter would have said. The reason I say that is because Peter would have died by the time 3 John is written. John is the, the last living apostle that knew Jesus. And uh, much of his writings were, were uh, in the 80s and 90s uh, A.D. Uh, and, and Peter is, is suspected to have died around probably 65, 70 A.D. So it's very possible his epistle would have already been written and was being disseminated to the churches. So it's possible that Diotrephes might have either had a copy of that and or had heard about it. And he would have done well to have heard what Peter said and recall. Listen to this, 1 Peter 5, verse 1. The elders which are among you, I exhort. That, by the way, elders there is the fivefold ministry, preachers, evangelists, etc. Who all, and Peter says, who am also an elder. In other words, he's identifying himself as a part of that group. And a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you. Taking the oversight thereof. Not by constraint but willingly, not for filthy lucre, that's money, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fades not away. I'm looking forward to that crown. So I'm going to do the opposite of what these things are being listed. I'm not going to be like a Diotrephes. By the way, Jesus spoke about the difference between hirelings and shepherds. You could sum it up this way. One of them's in it for the income, and the other is in it for the outcome. By the way, the Bible does say that the elders who rule well are worthy to be paid double what they're worth. But I'm not in it for a paycheck. I'm in it for an eternal payday where I and you will hear Jesus say, well done, good and faithful servant. Diotrephes was full of himself. And if you're full of yourself, you have no room for God. Remember a minute ago I talked and I compared it to being full on Sunday when we had supper or lunch, whatever. You know, I'm so full I didn't want another bite. Well, I want to be so full of God I have no room for these things Diotrephes was just the opposite. He was so full of himself, he had no room for God. And by the way, verse 11 is a clarion call to every born-again believer, whether you're a preacher or not. Listen to what it says. Follow not that which is evil, what Diotrephes did. Right? Follow not that which is evil, but that which is good, what Gaius did. He that does good is of God, but he that does evil has not seen God. I got to thinking about that. I got to thinking about the preparation that goes in and the prayer that goes in. And, and, and Brother Danny, you would, you're familiar with this. You know, you pray, you get ready, you, you prepare a sermon, you understand what I'm talking about. There's, there's that element of, God, I want to see you so that when I preach, the people see you, not me, right? But because Diotrephes was so full of himself, 
Why pray? Why, why get a word from God? He's going to twist it anyway. He hadn't seen God. In other words, he had not had a revel revelatory experience to then bring such an experience in his preaching. Worse, if he hasn't seen God here, the chances of him seeing God in a favorable sense in eternity is a lot slimmer. He was a born-again believer. But instead of being able to be rebuked by Christ through the ministry of John and others, he was nourished by Zeus, the meaning of his name. So please don't be like him, please. And then this, the, the, this small epistle rounds out by one more person that he talks about, Demetrius. And it says here in verse 12, Demetrius has a good report of all men and of the truth itself, yea, and we also bear record, and you know that our record is true. Now, Demetrius was, a, was uh, as far as scholars can tell, and, and what we can, can extrapolate here, is that he was a new believer of sorts, but he was growing in grace. So, uh, whereas Gaius was full of truth and love, and Diotrephes was full of himself, Demetrius was full of that grace that he was growing in. Does that make sense? So he's another one that you should emulate. So I'm glad that we got at least two-thirds of this epistle that we can emulate. So if you're a new believer or a veteran believer, you know, Demetrius, a new believer, or Gaius, a veteran believer, be like them. Be full of grace. Be full of faith. Don't be like Diotrephes. By the way, Paul, uh, Peter writes about growing in grace, and this is what he says in 2 Peter 3, verse 17. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing that you know these things before, beware lest you also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. By the way, the Demetrius to whom John writes here is not, I repeat, is not the same Demetrius that we find in Acts chapter 19, who was a silversmith making silver shrines for Diana. While they shared the same name, they did not share the same pedigree. You see, Demetrius in the book of Acts at Ephesus was not born again. But Demetrius in 3 John was born again. Here's what's interesting too. Got all these names and what they mean. Demetrius means belonging to Ceres. I don't know who Ceres was or is. But I had to think as I read that, that since he was born again, he no longer belonged to Ceres, but belonged to Christ. How many of you are thankful that because Jesus set you free, you don't belong to your past? You don't belong to your sin. Hallelujah. You might still have the same name. Uh, people might remember what you did, and you might remember what you did. Oh, but if you've repented of your sins, if you've been buried in His name, if you have been filled with His Spirit, hallelujah, you no longer belong to that. You belong to Jesus. Praise God. I'm intrigued by how John ends this epistle. A lot of times when I read the Bible, I, I ask a lot of questions like why? Why is it there? Who said it? 
Why is it important? What's the significance? Because I believe every word is there from God for a purpose. After all, it's all Scripture is given by God. It's breathed out by Him. And so, as I, as I look at the, the you know, verse 13, and I notice that, that He says, I have many things to write, but I will not with ink and paper write them unto thee, verse 14, but I trust I shall shortly see you, and we shall speak face to face. Peace be to you. Our friends salute you. Greet the friends by name. I'm like, what else do you want to write? What was he going to say? He wanted to see him face to face. And so he's, he's saying, hey, I'm, I'm making plans. Put it on the calendar. I'll be there. You know? Hmm. Am I the only one that wonders? You know, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But here's what's intriguing. John, who wrote the third John, also wrote the Gospel of John. You know what he said at the end of that Gospel? Something pretty similar. Verse 25 of chapter 21. And there are also many other things which Jesus did, the which, if they should be written, every one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that could, should be written. Amen. So even John gets to the end of his Gospel, and he's writing, and he's like, there's too much to write here. Wow. I suppose, you know, wow, what else did Jesus do? You know, part of what I hope heaven is, is some of these unanswered questions. I want to see what else Jesus did. I want to get in a time machine and go back and watch it and experience it and live it and see it. I want to know what else did John say. I want to know the, the blanks that are not filled in here. Amen? Huh. So the more I wonder, the more I realize, though, I have to be satisfied that God only wanted John to share what he did. I'm not going to know the rest of the story. But the inquisitive side of me still would like to know. What is the rest of the story? What did happen? Did Diotrephes repent? Did he change his ways? One would like to hope and think so. Was Demetrius called into the ministry? Did he become a, you know, singer? songwriter did he did he become an apostle what what happened to him you know how many people did he win for the lord what about those unnamed friends <laughs> verse 14 peace be to you our friends salute you which ones what were their names we know it's more than one because friends plural and then he says greet the friends by name in other words i got some friends there in your church too who are they which ones how many was in that church? How many daughter works had they started? And again, I'm not trying to prolong this message or, or, or just you know, take you all into my world, but I don't know how you read the Bible, but I, I look at it that way sometimes. I'm like, man, 13 verses, come on. Some people like to read those small books. I was talking to uh, Liam, who wanted to know uh, here a couple months ago. By the way, he's... Liam is so far ahead reading. He told me on Sunday, he says, I'm going to slow down so the church can catch up. <laughs> like, you go, buddy. Rock on Liam. You know, well, let's all catch up to Brother Liam. I'm telling you, man. <laughs> but he, he, it was not proud. It was just confident. He was like, well, you know, I'm, just, I'm ahead of y'all, you know. Deal with it. I'm like, whoa. No, I'm just teasing. But, <laughs> but it was so funny. He came to me. 
Because uh, uh, next month, or no, uh, sorry. Yeah, next month we're reading, is that Micah and all that? Yeah, Micah through Malachi, right? So I, I told him, he says, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. He's like, whoa, that's a lot. And I'm like, yeah, but most of them are only, you know, two or three chapters, you know. And he's like, oh, okay. You know? <laughs> well, sometimes we think that. Now, if I said we're going to read Isaiah, that's 66 chapters. You know, like, whoa, 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 you know. Uh, I was telling somebody the other night, you know, I'm, I'm going to be preaching the Psalms again here starting in May. And, um, you know, eventually I'm going to get to Psalm 119. There's 176 verses, you know, in that one psalm. Uh, by the way, two psalms before that, 117, only has two verses. It's like, come on now. You know, <laughs> there's a disparity here, a discrepancy here. But, but, you know, sometimes we like these small little books because we can say, okay, I read a book of the Bible today. And, and, and you're right, you can put a check mark, but I want to know what's behind the story. What else happened? We will never know the answer to those questions, at least not in this life. But I can tell you this, and I will say this with all clarity and sincerity. There's two people in this epistle I want to emulate my life after. And that's Demetrius and Gaius. I want to be full of grace and full of love and full of truth and full of good works and full of faith. I want to support the kingdom of God and give to missions and, and support uh, uh, those that spread the gospel far and wide. I do not want to be like Diotrephes. And I don't think you do either. Hallelujah. You know the main reason I want to be so full of God? is because He paid the price for my sin in full. Jesus paid a debt He did not owe because I owed a debt I could not pay. Is it in you? Is a love for this truth in you? Are you full of a love for the truth and his love? By the way, it's not enough to just empty yourself. You have to be filled back up. It's one thing to empty yourself at an altar of sin and guilt and shame and, and your past and fear and anxiety and all of those things, bitternesses. It's one thing to empty yourself out. That's good. Do it. Please do it. But then fill up on the Holy Spirit and love and truth and faith and hope and wisdom and grace. If you have your Bibles, uh, turn with me to Matthew chapter 12. There's something I want to just share as we bring this I'm coming in for a landing. Might get a little turbulent, so just be careful. <laughs> Fasten your seatbelts and put your tray tables in the upright position, please. Matthew chapter 12, and um, let's take a look at verse uh, 43. When the unclean spirit has gone out of a man, he walks through dry places seeking rest and find none. 
Then he says, I will return into my house from whence I came out. And when he has come, he finds it empty, swept, and garnished. Then he goes and takes with himself seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be also unto this wicked generation. Seven worse demons. This man started with one. He now has eight. And, and, and they're far worse than the one he had. Not just because there's more of them. If the first one was, you know, just simple fear, the nexts are lust and, you know, all other sorts of things. And Jesus tells us why this man ends up in this state. It's because he's empty, swept, and garnished. So, as is my modus operandi, I need to find out what empty, swept, and garnished means. So, we'll start at the ending. Garnished means to put in order. It's actually the, the Greek word cosmos, indicating the, the order of creation. Put it in order. I don't know about you, but there's some things that we need to put in order in our lives, right? That's what an altar is for. You know, uh, Saturday night of the revival back with Ryan Near, no altar call. Go home and take this home and pray in your homes, right? Putting, you were putting some things in order. We were emptying ourselves of some thoughts and ideas and even some physical, literal things. And we were saying, I'm going to put some things in order. That's what garnished means. It's a good thing. It's a positive thing. The church needs to do that. You as an individual believer need to do that. Equally swept is a good thing. It means to clean up. And if you put the two together, you're cleaning up and you're putting it in order. You ever set out to do some cleaning and you feel good because you did it and you accomplished what you set forth to do and you feel better because you've, you've, you've made that accomplishment, right? That's what this is. It's, I, I'm cleaning this up. I'm, I'm sweeping this out of my life. I don't need this anymore. I don't want this anymore. I'm putting some things in order. Those are good things. So as I'm looking at these definitions, I'm like, okay, we got two-thirds of the three things that are good. Well, I know empty, of course, on the surface just means empty. <laughs> but the depth of the Greek word there means idle. It can mean to take a holiday, as in, you know, to be nonchalant. And it can also mean void. So it's not just that there's an emptiness there and I can go, you know, put gas in my tank because it's empty. There's a void. I, I don't have the ability to fill that void. So what had happened was this man had swept some things out. He had cleaned some things out, which was what he needed to do. He had then put some things in order, which is what he needed to do. But he failed to fill up with God. And because he was empty, oh, he was clean. He was pristine. But because he was empty, seven worse demons were able to come and inhabit him. And then Jesus makes a bold statement. He says, even so, it shall be also unto this wicked generation. He is talking to people that will reject him, who look good, 
They've emptied themselves of vile practice. Jesus praised the righteousness of the Pharisees. They had set some things in order, but they were empty. And because they had not filled up with God, seven worse demons would come and inhabit them. Is it in you? Is the truth in you? Is a love for the truth in you? Praise God. I don't want to live a half-hearted life for God. We are too close to the coming of the Lord to just be nonchalant and, eh, you know, if it happens, it happens, great. Uh-uh. I want to live for God with everything in me. Praise God. I wonder if you could stand with me. We are just a little bit early here. I do apologize, but rather than keep talking, I feel like I'm done. I feel like the Holy Ghost is done, but I, I feel like we could pray. And, and if you want to take a couple extra minutes, I, I would ask this, though. The elements class and the youth class are in the admin wing, and they, they are, they're going to need the full hour. They're going to need 10 more minutes. So please, if you're going to go out and talk, stay in the lobby, if you would, or if you're done praying, stay in here, but that way they have their full time to finish their class. But I wonder if we could take a moment to pray and ask God to search us. Is there something we need to get out? Is there something we need to sweep and clean out of our lives? And if there is, let's, let's, let's do it. Let's, let's give it to God. Let's put it on an altar tonight. And if it's something tangible that we need to go home and deal with, let's do that as well. And if there is nothing, if, if we're good, we're clean, we're empty, we're swept, but we're not quite full yet, can we pray for God to just fill us full? You know, when Jesus did the miracle at the wedding in Cana, they filled those pitchers up to the brim. I want to be filled to the brim. I don't want there to be the possibility of one drop of anything antichrist able to get into my life. Let's pray together. Jesus, search our hearts. Search our minds. Touch us right now and teach us by your Holy Spirit. Lord, as I believe the psalmist prayed, See if there's any wicked way in us. And if there is, help us to clean it out, to set our lives in order. And help us, oh God, to be so full of you that there is no room for anything else. No flesh, no sin, anything. Just you, your mercy, your grace, your love, your truth, your goodness, so that we might bear fruit that pleases you. Lord Jesus, tonight search my heart. Help me to never be a pastor like Diotrephes. Help me to never be a dictator demanding my way in the pulpit. Help me never to lord it over your heritage, but to love your people the way you do. As you told Peter to feed your lambs and feed your sheep, loving them, God. Help me, Jesus, to be that. 
Help me to be like Gaius and Demetrius, so full of you that they proved it by their actions in life. In Jesus' name we pray. Praise God. Praise God. How many of you enjoy reading our, our Bible reading that we're doing? I hope you're, you know, a lot of you are on the U version. Some of you are doing it, but you're not, you know, chatting on there. That's okay, but I trust you're, you're reading through and, and, and grasping it. Um, we're going to go to the Old Testament next month and look at those, uh, some of those minor prophets. You've got a lot of good things going there, but, you know, let's keep on reading. Let's keep on studying. Let's keep on praying. Let's keep on being full of the Holy Ghost. God bless you. We'll see you this weekend. You don't want to miss it. Trust me.